It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Salutations, Mets fans. Welcome to episode 161 of Amazing Avenue Audio, the official podcast of your SB Nation New York Mets site, Amazing Avenue. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro, and with me for this edition is Steve Sippa. Steve, it's our second podcast this week. I don't have, I couldn't come up with a second opening question. That's okay. I don't like doing the opening questions. I feel very put on the spot sometimes. Yeah, I don't like, I just sort of like tell you or whoever my co-host is what they're going to be directly before we go on air. Literally, like the last thing you do before it practice. Is, yeah. it, it doesn't lead to good content. I don't know why I keep doing it. It's force of habit at this point. So we'll continue with our week of no news. Episode 160 with Lucas Flahos. We talked a little bit about hot stovey things that haven't really happened and probably won't happen. Though Jordan Zimmerman did actually sign with the Tigers. In this edition, we'll talk about some of the early Mets things that did happen, but aren't even as interesting as Mets Twitter trying to trade Lucas Duda. 
and we will start with the roster moves. I should say I'm, I feel like I'm in a better headspace for this episode. For episode 160, I tried to. So I'm, as you may be aware of listeners, I generally have a cocktail in my hand while recording this podcast. I found those we go longer. It's like the five and a half ounces and whatever I made doesn't get me through the whole show. And my throat starts to get a little bit dry. So I figured for this last one, I would just uh, do like a big Fernet and Coke. Nothing too strong, really. I mean, it's Fernet. It's not a highly alcoholic Amaro or anything like that. And just be able to wet my whistle throughout the entire show. I just ended with me sort of mumbling into the darkness like 45 minutes into the show. So for this one, I'm just drinking a beer, taking it back to basics. It's actually an imperial stout made with hot chilies from Italy. Mm, interesting. It is interesting. It's not like you get some of the chili, like, it's chili sort of like flavor, a little bit of sort of the very, very mild, like, mouth coating heat. Mm. But other than that, just a very pleasant imperial stout. When I went and bought it, the uh, beer guy that decided to try their blueberry, like their blueberry sour stout, I guess, which they do the same beer, but they put it in a barrel with blueberries for 14 months or something. So maybe I'll be trying that next. I was going there to get Bourbon County Stout, but apparently Connecticut doesn't have it yet because they're being sticklers about labeling laws because they did something different with their label this year. Connecticut liquor regulations, I guess, sort of frown on whatever they did with their labels. So guys, like it's just sitting in a warehouse. As long as nobody else has gotten it yet. I was away all weekend at my wife's mother's for Thanksgiving, so I didn't usually get get to really hop on my horse. Is that how you get around to Connecticut? On on horseback? Yes. East of the river, yes. Oh, I see. Okay. It's a very highly specific Connecticut joke. Very few people will get. Mm. Yeah, no, it went over my head. So uh, we'll transition <laughs> to Mets roster moves and that's sort of the two notable minor league free agents the ones that got spring training invites are stolmy pimentel and ty kelly but i noticed now looking at the mets transaction pages they've signed 11 other minor league free agents including a dude with like no paper trail anywhere on the internet <laughs> his name is ulysses sanchez it's spelled e-u-l-i-s-e-s so i assume it's ulysses this is ulysses sanchez with two s's it's a mixed martial arts fighter. And Ulysses Sanchez with one S that has an IMDB page. But there seems to be no... He's like the vaporware equivalent of minor league pitchers. <laughs> it's also a 23-year-old spent all of last season in the Gulf Coast League. So we will not be spending a lot of time on these 11 minor league free agents. And not even really Ty Kelly. We will spare a word for Stolmy Pimentel because it's a great name. I feel like he's one of those guys where two years ago when the Pirates left him off the 40, I was vaguely intrigued by him as a pitcher. Well, you could say that a lot of, about a lot of players. Oh, a couple of years ago, you know, they were intriguing, but... I feel like he developed. was a... He was a... He made some Pirates top 10 lists. I feel like he must have. He, I mean, he's notable enough that, like, I'm vaguely recalling his name in the back of my memory bank from somewhere, so. Yes, he threw nine good innings for the Pirates in 2013, 32 bad innings for the Pirates in 2014, 
and 11 very mediocre innings for the Rangers last year. I recall him being like a, he was like a big fastball guy. The only thing that he hasn't done is throw a bunch of very good innings. So <laughs> yeah. looks like we've got ourselves uh, something. It's it's your standard sort of triple A relief depth dude. You know, this year's Justin Hampson or who else? Who was the guy that sounded like he was a law firm that they had a couple of years ago from the Orioles? Law firm from the Orioles. I guess I could just look up the 2000. We're not going an hour. We can't go an hour again. <laughs> but I will look up the 2014 Las Vegas 51s roster because this is the kind of thing that will drive me nuts otherwise. The only Orioles-related reliever I could think of is O'Day. No, no. He, he never no, pitched. Obviously, it's not him. He never pitched for... Uh... Oh, Miguel Sokolovich. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was yeah, like vaguely yeah. intrigued by him when they signed him as a minor league free agent. And I have that same level of intrigue with Stolmy Pimentel. This is a much better team than it was in the beginning of 2014. So I probably Just should be less interested in these kind of things. Yeah, but these are things that make following baseball fun. I suppose. For for us kinds like of people, anyway. Literally like the bare bones minutia <laughs> of minor league free agent movements. Searching for Ulysses Sanchez's baseball reference page and coming up empty. It could be a pseudonym. Who knows? So if you're going to go into the witness protection program, A-ball reliever is not the worst <laughs> assignment in the world. Between no, new name bad. and identity. Here, just throw 84 miles an hour with a slider from a low arm slot. We can stash you for a year in the South Atlantic League. Nobody will look for you before the trial. <laughs> Should be the plot of a movie. Hmm. The Mets have lost a couple players uh, that they outrighted off their roster after the season. Uh, Jack Leathersitch was claimed off waivers by the Cubs, which is a little weird, I guess. Yeah, given his surgery and such, but... You have to... I mean, you don't have to add him... I mean, to the they have to add him to the forty man. You don't have to sixty day DL him necessarily, but you know it's good for Leathersitch because he makes more money, even if he doesn't get sixty day. Just being a guy that's still on the forty, he will have been on the forty for over a year, which is certainly more than dude that blew out his arm and comes back as a rehabbing minor league free agent. Yeah. Uh, which probably would have happened if somebody hadn't claimed him. And if he does go on the 60-day DL at some point next year because the Cubs need to clear the roster spot, which seems likely, um, he gets Major League Per Diem, which is a lot of money. I'll take it. Not as much as... Well, I mean, for a full season it is, but you know, not as much as the World Series playoff share for the Mets this year, which was significant, especially if you're Matt Reynolds. Yep, that's that's uh, pretty much his salary for baseball up to this point. Uh, yeah, more than that. I mean, it depends on if you I forget what he got for a bonus. <laughs> I think he got more than three hundred grand as a bonus as mm-hmm. a second round pick. But 
Nice work if you can get it. I, I think it, I estimated it increased his 2015 salary by tenfold <laughs> as a non 40 man AAA guy. And I believe since he was on the playoff roster, he is guaranteed a full share. Uh, it's not a it's not a voted share. Though again, I don't know sort of the minutia of those kinds of things, which I'm sh- sure are very interesting to all of you as we enter the winter meetings in the hot stove. <laughs> We're talking about Stolmy Pimentel and uh, Matt Reynolds' playoff share. How much money Jack Lodisich will make on the Cubs next year. The other player they lost, of course, is Anthony Record of the Cleveland Indians, who got signed as a minor league free agent slash non-roster invitee. Um, I'm disappointed in so much as it's gotten rid of probably one of my easy answers to the opening questions we never prepare for. <laughs> If they don't resign Bartolo Colon, then we're right, done. Right, we're really we got a problem. <laughs> and if they trade Duda, forget about it. Yeah, Anthony Records' ass was always good for. I mean, Anthony Records' ass was good, period. But for coming up with material uh, at the last second with no preparation, you could always uh, count on it to be there in a pinch. <laughs> So now the actual important stuff, or at least as far, <laughs> the most important stuff we will discuss on this edition of the show, the Rule 5 ads. Brandon Nemo, Robert Gazelman, Jeff Walters, and Seth Lugo. Paul Podesta always has a trick up his sleeve. Always needs to get a little weird. <laughs> uh, Nemo and Gazelman are, are no surprise. Obviously, they'd already added Smoker. When we last chatted about this. But, uh, yeah. Jeff Walters and Seth Lugo. I don't think I mentioned it. We may have talked about Seth Lugo. Briefly. As a guy that's, you know... You know, gonna start... I mean, I think he made a couple AAA starts last year instead of a spot start role. Probably gonna pitch as a starter in Vegas this year. Could move to the pen as a fastball curve guy. It's just a little weird. Yeah. And Walters, you know, came back. The stuff was fine. Certainly within a shout of where he was uh, in 2013 when I saw him in AA. Never got back to AAA. Didn't pitch well in AAA in Vegas in 2014. Of course, who knows how healthy he was at any point in that season. As a bullpen guy that could help. He's like 27. He's going to be 28, I think. <laughs> but yeah, sure, whatever. They have the spots. Of course, the big move or non-move here, I guess, sort of, is they didn't add Wilmer Becerra. Before I do my little spiel again, and I'm also writing about this for the site, Steve, do you have any strong feelings about them not adding Wilmer Becerra? Um, I mean, it's it's always going to be a risk leaving him unprotected, but I really don't see any teams going out there and picking him up. I mean, it's basically a dead roster spot unless you maybe have him pinch run or things like that. You know, he had issues with you know his uh, you know strike zone strike zone judgment and everything else. Uh, you know, at at such a low level, that's only going to be magnified. You know, with MLB pitching, so I really don't see how he could be mildly productive, you know, on an MLB roster. 
I don't think there's even a Marcel projection for him. Let me see if there's one for Zips or Steamer or something. Ah, there's one for there's one for Steamer, which sees him hitting 201, 238, 283 next year with a 4% walk rate and a 26% strikeout rate. All right. That seems... That might even be high. Yeah. But it it seems plausible. I could see that. Um, so, yes, that is basically in right field. Uh, team drive in the center once a week. Yeah, sure, fine. Um, position he's never played as a pro. That's a dead roster spot. Let's be very clear about that. Yeah. If you are drafting Wilmer Becerra in the Rule 5 draft with an eye towards keeping him on your roster the whole year, you're not getting much out of it. It's really probably an untenable player development strategy, except for the fact that we're entering an era where the sort of hard tank is an acceptable player management front office move. And there are a lot of teams trying to do this. And for the purposes of this discussion, I care about that in so much as there are teams not trying to actively win across baseball. (laughs) Now, a roster spot still has value. You can try other things with that 25th spot if you're not trying to win. But one thing you could do is spend $50,000 in the Rule 5 draft to try to get a top 10 prospect into your system that you can't get any other way. Is this going to happen? I don't know. Probably not. But you're, it's sort of, it's, it's a risk management kind of thing. They had the spot available for Becerra. They could have added him at the cost of probably starting his option clock a year earlier than you would like. I think this guy's legit. You're not super worried about that. So let's say you're the Atlanta Braves or the Phillies <laughs> uh, or who else is sort of hard tanking right now? You know, possibly the, whatever the Rockies are doing, who knows? the Brewers. All of those teams outside of the Phillies, really, you know, the Rockies system is actually very good now. But, you know, the Brave system, even after the recent trade, isn't outstanding. Uh, the Brewers system is not great, out, you know, past uh, Orlando Arcia. Wait a minute, though. The Braves have John Gant. So. <laughs> I already made a snide comment about that on 160. We can't keep going to that well. Okay. Um. If Wilmer Becerra, who's roughly college junior aged, uh, would have been a young college junior if he was in this year's draft. Let's say he would be in next year's draft as a eh, 21-year-old. And next year is his age, his age 21 season next year? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So basically if he was a college junior in next year's draft. With the kind of tools he shows... He would be 
top three-round pick, maybe higher. It's kind of hard to separate. You know, what would Warren Becerra hit against, like, ACC pitching next year? Probably really well. <laughs> um, you know, it, any way you slice it, the point here is it would cost you a lot more to get a Wilmer Becerra into your system in the Rule 4 draft next year than it will in the Rule 5 draft in December for the you know the cost of a dead roster spot. And even beyond that, let's just see a team takes a flyer and takes them to camp because why not? It's 50 grand. Maybe there's something there. You do, to a certain extent, disrupt his development. Yeah, there's some soft skill things there going on. Maybe you don't quantify, but I like the changes Becerra's made to his swing between Kingsport and Savannah. Or that stuff he's worked on, or stuff the roving hitting instructors or you know other coaches have worked with him on specifically. You're introducing sort of an outside variable into that equation now. Some other team's hitting coach with maybe a different philosophy, is tweaking his swing. So there's some developmental risk there. Again, are these major things? No, there's nothing else to talk about, so we're talking about this. <laughs> but it's just kind of the thing that bugs me a little bit. I thought it was odd. Anytime, he's probably the best prospect in the Rule 5 draft this year. That doesn't mean he gets picked, mm. of course. Yeah, well, yeah. There's definitely there's a difference between prospect and then player. Right. It's like you probably either hammer Carlos Tochi, and I think he's better than Carlos Tochi <laughs> by a fair amount. But I, there are people out there that love Carlos Tochi, so he's my jeans buddy. So I guess there's one other thing we can talk about. Moving sort of the rumor phase of this episode. It looks like the Mets are going to tender Henry Mejia. Yeah. Yeah. This is like another kind of non-issue. Yeah. Like we were just talking about before about, you know, investing a small amount of money into a player and then possibly getting back a lot of value. Yeah. You know, if if Mejia is halfway decent, you know, you're you're giving him, I mean, what's he making? Like a million? Whatever. Uh, He'll make probably around two million, but you'll only end up having to pay him half of it because of the suspension. Right, so I mean, it's a minimal investment, you know, and we could always use back end of the bullpen pitching as we saw in October. Yeah, they're not going to probably spend significant money for a setup man this off season. It's very possible by July, whatever end of July, the Mets bullpen looks more like the 2014 bullpen, the 2015 bullpen, and they need that. Uh, injection. And look, it's, you know, yes, he was an idiot. I mean, I don't care about players using whatever, performance-enhancing drugs, let's call them as a general class, past the point where it's now illegal in the, within the rules of the game, and it gets you suspended, and everyone knows this, and it's, you know, obnoxious to lose a possible use for a player for you know, 50 games or a full season. I guess it's what is it, eighty games or a full season now? I guess they changed it again. But by the same token, baseball doesn't care about this past sort of like the 
bureaucratic, technocratic penalties. I mean, the reason the Mets can tender Mejia is they don't have to pay him or carry him on the 40-man roster for this entire time. Yep. Now, it's a little bit unique because I think he's the first guy to get a full year suspension and actually serve it. I mean, Manny got one but didn't. <laughs> so oh, we are man. kind of in uncharted territory. He's still eligible to play in the postseason next year because it only counts for the season in which the suspension started, and both of his started in 2015, of course. And in general, we're gonna, like I get that there's going to be a locker room issue there because it happened in this locker room. It's not a Danny Mano or Bartolo Colon situation where it happened somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's hypocritical to say don't bring Mejia back after signing Cologne and really not punishing Mano in any meaningful way past the 50 games he served in the minors, which is fine. That's all he should serve. That's the rules that baseball and the players' union have laid out. You're, I mean, if, if I, I'm not here to try to convince anyone listening to feel any which way about players using sports drugs. You can feel however you like. Um, but it's just you have to kind of acknowledge how teams, organizations, front offices, and even locker rooms feel about this. Now, there's there's weird incentives with locker rooms, and there's like sort of the culture of omerta there, where players probably aren't going to speak out about it, even players that don't want guys that took whatever on their team. You know, they don't really have a say in it, and baseball players keep their mouth shut as a general rule about that kind of stuff publicly especially and at least on the record but you know team sign these guys nelson cruz no one seems to talk about it now <laughs> you know he was in he was a biogenesis guy served his 50 games got 57 million chris davis is going to get big money johnny peralta it just teams don't care so you can feel however you want. You just have to acknowledge that how you feel has no bearing on how baseball teams actually operate. And, you know, Mejia may have been an idiot. I think we can all agree on that. But in this case, he's potentially a useful idiot. Right. I, I, you could be the biggest idiot. You could be the stupidest moron that there is, whatever. But if you're helping this team win the game, ball games, then all right. And you know what? This is a false choice, so it's not really fair to bring it up. But I'd rather have Henry Mejia playing for my team than Jose Reyes. Mm. Can we go into a time machine and get 2006 yeah. Jose Reyes? We cannot. All right. That genie cannot go back in the model. Yeah. No. Yeah. So let's move on to the wrestling, Steve. Okay. So for our listeners that like me to point out when there's going to be wrestling talk, the rest of the show <laughs> is wrestling talk. So you can feel free to, uh, you know, say goodbye. Just like you know, hum the music in your head, da 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 da, and just pretend like the episode's over. For the rest of you, um, I guess we'll start with the email question from one sixty. One of the quick hits was uh, why was Survivor Series boring? Because Vince McMahon. Yeah, that's a good answer, is any? The end. It's just one of those things where you like you knew exactly <laughs> what was going to happen. Like, oh, the main event was nine minutes long and ended like ten minutes before the show would normally end. Seamus is cashing in. Yeah, everything, everybody, even my mom knew. I mean, my mom watches <laughs> wrestling with me, so, like, she's she's probably more uh, informed than most moms. But, like, even she knows. She's like, oh, where's Seamus? 
I don't know, just nothing. Like, you give away the first Reigns-Ambrose match that I can think of as, like, a major main event. That could theoretically... I mean, nobody's making money or drawing anymore because they've made a complete mess of everything. <laughs> yeah. And are getting, like, historically low ratings at this point. But theoretically, that's a match you should save for a a big pay-per-view, a big build-up, not as the finals of a tournament. You could have easily run Owens' reigns there uh, instead. You could have easily put reigns over if you want him to be the guy. I mean, I don't... He's still kind of whatever to me. If you want to make him the guy, make him the guy. But this, like... Fans clearly just aren't interested in the chase. You're not changing anyone's mind on Roman Reigns by setting up a series of pay-per-view matches with Sheamus. <laughs> and Sheamus isn't solving any of your problems either. No, Sheamus just compounds issues. I the rest of the card was like, like whatever. It was the Wyatt family versus Undertaker and Kane match. Which was basically which an extended is, squash. Yeah, I mean, that's another, you know, they've, they've ruined Roman Reigns, and I don't see how they can un, un get themselves out of what they've done with, you know, the Wyatt family. I can't tell you a single match that mattered where, you know, those guys won. Yeah. Just like begging Brock Lesnar to come back, probably at some point <laughs> before the Royal Rumble or whenever he was scheduled to. Yeah. Well, he didn't really help himself with Lesnar with sort of the 50 50 booking against Undertaker either over the summer. So it's a mess. I can barely be bothered to like watch it or follow it at this point. I think I only yeah. am still subscribing because I might as well just keep subscribing to WrestleMania at this point. I mean, I look at it, you know, I watch NXT and. Yeah. I'll watch, you know, the pay-per-views that they have just because I might as well get my money's worth. Sure. Now, the actual email, or full wrestling email, and of course, you can email the podcast at podcast at amazingavenueaudio.com. It is from Stuart. Dear Jeff and co-host, I was just wondering what your favorite Dragon Gate stables ever are and why. I will be Dia Hearts, M2K, Blood Warriors, and Real Hazard. This is basically a foreign language to you, Steve, I'm sure. So Yeah, I'm not really not really into much Dragon Gate. Though I was sent a link by Stuart above like their last show, which I heard was very, very good. It's definitely worth watching. Um, yeah. I would say I haven't caught up on the tag match yet that came off the back of the main there. But those are two teams that generally have really, really good matches. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's a good, as like introductory shows go, it's pretty good. Because mm. you get sort of the, a good example of the main event single style, a good example of their sort of six-man trio style. It's worth watching. I know the the main event, Masaki Mochizuki against Shingo Takagi is getting some match of the year hype because... Uh, Dave Meltzer actually mentioned it as a match of the year candidate. He like barely acknowledges Dragon Gate. Talked about all his time talking about New Japan or whatever. <laughs> but uh, I didn't think it was that good. I, I thought it was good. I didn't think it was match of the year level. It was basically a Mochizuki carry job because Takagi's terrible. Um, but to answer your question, Stuart, uh, my favorites probably Do Fixer, uh, original Crazy Max, original M2K. So the 
up until they added Horiguchi. So anything with Darkness Dragon, Susumu uh, Mochizuki, Masaki Mochizuki, and Yasushi Kanda. So really through, like, is that early 2001, probably? I think Darkness Dragon shows up late 2000. It was 15 years ago. My Japanese wrestling timelines I might be a little askew. Um, yeah, Do Fixer probably number one, and like post, you know, I guess even like Magnum Tokyo Do Fixer too, but especially post Magnum Tokyo Do Fixer with the Ryo Saito as their ace, be my favorite. And original Crazy Max you can't beat <laughs> with a name like Crazy Max. That would be hard to. I still have my Crazy Max T-shirt somewhere. It's like literally falling apart at this point. It's fifteen years old. It's like black, but it's turning like gray, and there's a hole in the stitching. I should probably sew up. But <laughs> those are your wrestling emails. You can send those or others to podcast at amazingavenueaudio dot com. Kept this one under an hour. Very good. Roughly at a half hour. That's what I was aiming for for the first one. I do three podcasts this week, all between 30 and 40 minutes. It'll be like a regular podcast. But now, uh, it'll be just like a long podcast stretched out over three editions. So we'll be back later in the week with David Roth of Vice Sports. I got to follow up with him. We were supposed to do it before the holiday break. It never happened. But until then, you'll just have to wait, though not too long, for another edition of Amazing Avenue Audio.